welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories of the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frustick, and today I'm joined by Allegra Frank. Hey, Allegra. Hey, Russ. Allegra got a little lost on the way to the studio. No Again, telling I, what happened. It's a story so stupid, <laughs> no one ever should know. We also have Christopher Plant, who suggested a topic that made me very happy and very excited because it is something near and dear to my heart. What have you brought for us today, Chris Plant? Well... I have an elevator pitch for you. Are you okay. ready? Yeah. Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing all of Nickelodeon. There's, there's no, no, there's, uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be really honest with everybody, our dear, sweet, brilliant, um, uh, dashing listeners today. Uh, this is not an episode filled with intrigue. There uh, is no death. There is no oh, uh, extreme drug usage. Um, <laughs> it is it, quite peachy and also quite low stakes, unless you are really concerned about the career of Nick Cannon, in which case the stakes are high. I am um, really concerned, so I'm a little bit sweating here. So, yes, today's topic is SNCC, <gasps> the, the Saturday night block of Nickelodeon. Um, did both of you have fond memories of Snick? Yeah, I do. Um, although, okay, off the top of my head, the only show that I know for certain was on Snick. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there were two. There were two. Yeah. One of them is Roundhouse. Mm-hmm. Definitely in there. Cool. That might be the only one I actually know. <laughs> oh I'm sure God. you can name other ones that I just don't remember were we'll, actually yeah, in we'll, Snick. We'll, we'll get to them. Allegra, how about you? I was a huge Nickelodeon person, all things Snick, Nick, whatever, Nick Jr. Um, <laughs> love Nick Jr. too. Uh, so I remember all that. Uh, I remember oh, all that, right? Yeah, right. I that was remember the big one. my cousin Skeeter. I don't know what that is. Oh my god, Hundred Deeds for Eddie McDowd. Okay, okay, okay. Let's pause. We're getting into should, it because I, I, I literally don't know any of these. This is going to be a huge. Uh, <laughs> topic i think for us as we work our way through i think it's going to be a pretty discussion heavy episode generational um, i want to say because it is it's a surprisingly generational thing and that i did not appreciate until i started to get into the research so hmm. here's where we're going to start uh, at first it's going to sound kind of like a history of nickelodeon i assure you it is not because if you want to talk about intrigue uh and big companies that I believe did not work with unions for a long time <laughs> and involved like massive corporate shifting. That's Nickelodeon. We'll get into a little bit of that, but there are a few things about the history of Nickelodeon that are going to become really important when we get to the history of SNCC. So we're going to do a kind of a, a brief summary. So Nickelodeon's origins. December. 1977. What is a Nickelodeon? Studio are, 54. Wait, one second. Are you going to talk about what a Nickelodeon is? Because I still... No. I, wait, well, that'll be trivia. I'll save it for okay, later. Okay, good. Uh, 1977. Uh, the original concept is uh, dubbed Pinwheel. Uh, Dr. Vivian Horner. She's uh, formerly the director of research on the electric company for PBS. Ooh. Develops this idea. Uh, and... The best way I can kind of describe it is HBO, but for kids, it's commercial (laughs) free cable um, running from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern. And it is operating on this now totally obscure uh, TV cable system called Cube, which was like a method of distribution at the time. And 
the idea was Nickelodeon would be a lost leader. That, hey, people would be so hungry for uh, commercial-free kids' TV, uh, because commercials obviously are the part that rots a kid's brain, that parents will build their entire cable subscription around this one channel, which isn't a bad idea. Netflix has kind of done variations of this. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really emphasized kids' programming uh, and you being able to have like a kid's version of the app. Same with YouTube. So pretty ahead of its time. Um, around two years later, April 79, uh, it finally launches Beyond Cube. And this is when they get rid of Pinwheel as a name. I it feel becomes... like I remember a theme song to Pinwheel, but maybe it's for something else so, called Pinwheel. Actually, Pinwheel. no, there's, there's a reason that you remember that. It launches Nickelodeon in Buffalo, New York. Very rapidly, it expands. Uh, it has short-lived TV shows like Nickel Flicks <laughs> and, <laughs> and Hocus Focus uh-huh. uh, and the Pinwheel programming block. which is why you would be familiar with that. A lot of the stuff was repurposing stuff that already existed uh, and was cheap. So it was like mm, almost kind of like a radio format of, hey, here is some vintage, wacky, uh, you know, like, uh, what is it? Uh, Oh my gosh, Three Stooges type of stuff. Oh, Mm -hmm. sure. That we can get for cheap and then we'll like, interrupt it with like a host who has like the thinnest of stories possible and yeah. <laughs> that thing um it would air through the daytime and this is really important at late night time the the channel itself the space would become a different channel um it would become star channel and back in the day this was actually super common um if you had a, a cable network had these channel spaces and they would be shared so oh, the blank network would have this amount of time on that channel space, Mm. and the other network would have this amount of time rather than just, you know, 500 channels where every channel runs for 24 hours. Totally. It's like uh, Adult Swim is doing now, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But they're the same company, obviously. Yeah. Um, So 1981, it gets its first hit. You can't do that on television. Um, And you can't do that on television also... uh, kind of sets the groundwork for a thing that Nickelodeon will use throughout this time and throughout SNCC uh, of just collaborating with Canada. Because <laughs> it turns out that uh, Canada has a great system in place for children's television uh, that n- Americans aren't seeing, and you, they can co-produce it and then just get it running for a very long time. Uh, Alanis Morissette, is that? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, uh, appears. I mean, you can't do that in television. Trivia. Trivia for you. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. What has Nickelodeon incorporated into its brand from You Can't Do That on Television? Oh, I know what it is. Oh, Allegra, I'll leave it to you. <laughs> well, <I'm sorry. laughs> it's not going to be slime. Uh, is it like the color orange? <laughs> It's oh slime. my gosh, it's slime. It's slime? <laughs> <laughs> I like to, like, I, there's one thing it definitely can't be, and it's the thing that it is. It's definitely was, slime. So I if I recall correctly, the slime came in when someone said on, you can't do that on television, if they ever said the words, I don't know, they got slimed, oh. and slime would come from the ceiling. And true to fact... If you're ever in Canada and you say, I don't know, that will instantly happen to you in real life. Mm. So, uh, and if you say water, they'll dump water on you. 
That's all very common. Alanis Morissette pops through a wall and tells funny jokes. It's great. It's great up there. <laughs> um, so 1984, we're checking along. Nintendo's parent company, Warner amx satellite entertainment this is what george orwell warned us about it is the most cyberpunk brand name (laughs) i've ever heard of like i imagine just like on top of a giant glowing skyscraper it's (laughs) always raining um they spin off mtv nickelodeon and radio television station you know rts Mm -hmm. uh into mtv networks but it's still sort of a loss leader uh, with $10 million operating loss by 84. Um, so they're getting by on things like underwriting, which is effectively the public TV model for just keeping the lights on at Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, uh, the, the whatever tiny high highs they had with You Can't Do That in Television have dissipated, uh, and they are the last in network viewership in the U.S. For wow. Cable. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know how low it, it got for our old pal Nickelodeon. Um, so MTV Network's president, Bob Pittman, he hires a bundle of experts to rebrand the network. And here's when we effectively get, like, the Nickelodeon we know. It's the splat, mm-hmm. uh, the orange, the, the rounded font, the very goofy animations, the interstitials between programs. Uh, which are called channel IDs, where it's like, oh, hey, it's Nickelodeon. Um, oh, yeah. Nick, oh, Nick, no, Nick, I was thinking Nick, of Disney Nick, Channel, Nick, where Nick. they do the, like, script on the screen, but they oh, had their yeah. own version of that. Yeah, yeah, they have had, they had many, many variants of it. Um, and they also start running traditional ads. So it's like, oh, cool, you know how to make money? <laughs> ads. Like, actually running ads. Um, maybe not great for kids' brains, but very good for uh, profitability. And... All of this combined immediately makes a huge impact, um, making Nickelodeon the channel for kids' TV. Um, And I mention all of this for two reasons. Nickelodeon, one, has routinely changed into something else at night. Like, that is, like, part of its identity from the very beginning. Sure. Um, And two, Nickelodeon's success is, in no small part, tied to its branding which is weird to me because i think of nickelodeon as like wow they had so many great shows like why was nickelodeon such a hit it's because they just had all these great shows but so much of the success that kind of got them to that and carried them through all of that is fantastic branding that kids like completely rallied around and identified with well and it's also like there just wasn't like the the alternative was essentially waking up on a Saturday morning and watching whatever a network channel for three hours while they were showing cartoons, and then the rest of the week it was just like a total crapshoot, right? So like yeah, that certainly helped, but the branding is quite good. So it was like people were just super attracted to slime as a thing, right? Was that like that was <laughs> like the I, I think that's that's basically it. Uh, fun personal trivia: I went to Universal Studios in <gasps> Florida when I was a kid. They were doing a, I don't think this was filmed, but like a, a Nickelodeon game show. Yeah, they, uh, that was like a standard Live. thing. It was like the Nickelodeon experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had all these kids in the audience. They said, we need two kids to compete for the big prize. The competition is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <gasps> <gasps> wow. Who is the best player? The winner will get slimed. 
So we, we, we sit down head to head, me, me and some like just total schmuck. Um, and the other kid takes off, zips through the, the stage, is finished in no time. I oh, meticulously, no. slowly collect yeah. every coin and, and very carefully do not get in trouble. And then they're literally like waiting for me. I, I don't even know if I actually finished the stage. And then I win because the only way to get the most points uh, was to, to get all these coins. They, they yeah. were measuring based off of coins. Big mistake on their part. Made for a terrible experience for the audience. But I felt like a real winner. Now, I, I feel like I there was... Slime. I feel like there was a, a game show that was all about that, which was, Nick I Arcade. believe, Nick Arcade. Yes. Wait, but that plant... I want to hear about plant, like, your, your slime Oh, yeah, experience. you got slimes. You got to yeah, tell us so about that. so I got that. slimed. They put you in, like, a kiddie pool. You wear a, like, uh, giant poncho thing. And they pour it over you. And mine tasted like tapioca pudding. In fact, I think uh. it probably was. And it's just, like, food died. But there are many variants of the slime, which one day we will have to get into. That actually, <laughs> you know, maybe that'll be an episode. All the variants of slime and gack and gooey things that have been sold to children for the last 60 years. And I should, <laughs> I should ask, did you keep your mouth open when they poured it on you? I did. And there's like a photo of it somewhere. I need to find it. Maybe if oh I can find it before, before then I can share it with you. Is that a normal thing? Like, did people want to taste the slime? I wanted to taste. Did you know, did you have any like, idea what it was going to taste like? It could have tasted like actual slime. I well, they told me that it was okay for me to eat, so I oh, immediately good. thought, I will. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's just I live like that. When somebody tells me it's okay if you swallow this, I say, what you're saying is it's okay if I have it for dinner. Amen. <laughs> okay, got it. Anyway, so we're in the golden age, leading into Snick now. Okay. Nick at Night is, is mm. about to just take off. It's 1985. Nickelodeon becomes a 24-hour network, adding, adding this nighttime block uh, that it, it, it completely controlled, and that is Nick at Night. It runs from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern, and it runs mostly classic television. Uh, this is where uh, Russ and I were almost certainly introduced to the Munsters. And Odd I couple. Lucy. Odd couple. I often wonder if shows like uh, The Munsters would be so well known had they not been on Nick at Night for our generation yeah. because they're not great no. um, and they were probably just cheap for Nickelodeon to land versus like actual hits of the classic TV. Era. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good assessment. Like, I don't think I would ever watch, would ever have watched I Love Lucy and the fact that like I know classic I Love Lucy moments is probably because Nick at Night. Yeah, yeah it's, it's strange. Um, yeah. So, uh, 86 MTV Networks get sold to Viacom, where they now live, as our dear Russ Brush Chicken <laughs> so well, having worked What was them. Viacom? Do you know what Viacom was, like, before? Because, obviously, that's, like, always been... It, it was essentially, I, like, a media... Paramount. Yeah. Yeah. Giant media... Just mega corporation, mega yeah. Corp. Um, in 1990, we get the real age of Nickelodeon that we're familiar with. Uh, they opened Nickelodeon Studios... We get uh, the original Nicktoons the following year, Rin Stimpy, Rugrats, Doug. Donkey and, Lips. And what? And Donkey Lips is on the way. Um, <laughs> but th that, this is what I mean when I say, whoa, that branding was actually a bigger part of Nickelodeon than I appreciated. Because that branding effectively gets them from 84 to 1990. 
Like, wow. Nickelodeon is surviving more or less on old junk and branding and some, like, really crappy self-made stuff uh, in Canadian broadcasting uh, net television stuff for a long time. Um, and then they finally actually make this investment. So, that sets us up. August 15th, 1992. Happy Snickiversary, everybody. Oh my god, I cannot believe how long it's been. That is nuts. I know. <laughs> it is really, really upsetting. I don't know why I thought it was, like, late 90s, but the literally the math does not work out. Like, I had to have been a child. Yeah, I was so going to is... chime in here, but I guess I would make everyone feel bad by saying, oh, it's only one year older than me. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been playing in the hospital. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so Nickelodeon executives look into the mirror. Um, they behold mortality itself personified. And they say, behold, I am death. I am old now. No, <laughs> Um, they, Nick, the Nickelodeon execs launch Snick, aka Saturday Night Nick. Um, I just want to say, while we're, uh, existentially taking a break there, Allegra <laughs> is just nodding, smiling, like, mm-hmm, that's probably what they did do, right? Like, that sounds like what they did. Um, How did I uh, literally just realize that it's Saturday Night Nick is Snick? I know, right? Isn't that I insane? didn't know that. Yeah, we were, we were dumb as kids. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, the product of head of programming and development, uh, Herb Scannell, uh, is responsible for this kind of brilliant idea. Uh, and it extends the Nickelodeon kids block to extra hours, basically into the Nick at Night era. So now uh, it's 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, SNCC. And they launch, uh, well, it's composed of four shows. The first show. Clarissa explains it. Oh, yeah. of course. Now, I didn't know this, but it is a hit going into SNCC. Like, it is the show that they're like, oh, we, we, we've got Clarissa. Melissa Joan Hart is on the ups. It's already been out for, I think, about a year. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so they're like, hey, at the very least, we know kids are going to tune in for... And Ferguson. People want to see Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And they got to know what up. With that, uh, that Ronald Reagan loving Ferguson. <laughs> um, trivia for you. Who sang the theme song? Clarissa explains it all. Oh my God. I don't think I know the theme song. I don't remember it. How's it going? Really? Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Oh my god. Way How cool. Wait, do I oh, way cool. It? Right. I remember the way cool part. Who sang this? Um, 80s pop star Rachel Sweet. I don't know who that is. She sang, <laughs> she sang, and then he kissed me. Oh, which like, and then he kissed me. Yeah, I know that one. Be my baby, like an yeah, sure. version of it. Yeah, sure. This is Allegra. Please just forgive the way time works and know that it will come for you too. Okay. <laughs> one day you will wake up. And, and, it's and just. You'll like, there saying, wasn't really much singing. It's just surprising that they would get someone that, like, had quasi-career. Yeah, somebody famous Rachel Sweet, I know. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so that's, that's the, the, the opener. Up next, Roundhouse. Oh, yeah. Fresh is familiar with. Most people are not. <laughs> it, no. <laughs> it is a SNCC debut. Um, it is developed by... Um, this couple that had formerly worked on In Living Color. 
Um, it is a variety show in which a the father, it's about a family, uh, in, in part, and the father zips around on a motorized, giant, puffy, lazy boy chair. Um, in some ways, I, I didn't think about this until very, like, basically while looking through all this stuff, it's kind of like you can't do that on television, and that each episode is themed. <laughs> I'm like, are you broken? Why does he... The, the best thing is you're laughing this hard and you haven't seen the chair. When you see the chair in action, it is it is like a hovercraft. It is like a, it is humongous. I'm looking this up. Please continue. And it, but it's it's like you can't do that on television. In that every episode is themed, but because it's like now the '90s, it's very grungy. And it's like oh, we're filming this right. warehouse. Um. So the episodes are based off themes like first date but they're also heavier themes like puberty <gasps> and prejudice <laughs> whoa yes. yeah i remember it being a lot more serious than than uh, all of that mm. and i remember the literal roundhouse like the introduction of the show the like camera zoomed in on an actual roundhouse i was like wow it must be tough to film in that roundhouse oh because sure. i was an idiot do you do you remember how the theme song went no uh no, I think I'm for confusing it with the, all that because I was thinking this there, is it, round it, it, it house, is but I think that's all that similar and that it's just round and round and round and round. This is a round house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love how all of these themes are like, I don't know. We have 30 seconds in the studio. <laughs> I'm sure we can, you know, knock something out like, oh, this is terrible. It doesn't matter. We don't have any. Um. Okay, so uh, here, here's some... I'm, I'm going to answer this because there's no way you know it. Uh, but this is trivia that surprised me. How many episodes did Roundhouse run? A show that the vast majority of people who know about Nickelodeon do not know ever happened. Except for me. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to guess... I'm going to guess that there were 20 episodes. Uh, hmm. I'm going to guess higher because I know that Snick was just starting... Mm-hmm. And I know that syndication is like a certain number of episodes, so maybe they were trying to get to that, sure. right? Not in, not in children's sure, sure, sure. programming. Right? You could do is about six and just loop those. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. I'm going to say, like, I'm going to say it missed syndication. I'm going to say it's like 40. 52. Wow. Over four seasons. I don't know how this is possible. Wow. I know. This is so... Uh, as I said earlier, a recurring theme. I feel like I have a very crisp memory of everything that happened on Nickelodeon as a child, as, you know, an indoor kid. Turns out I 100% don't. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll circle back to that. Nine o'clock, Ren and Stimpy, mm. um, yeah. which was my favorite show, uh, and now uh, is profoundly problematic, uh, yep. and I can never look the same way. <laughs> We're not going to go into why, yeah, but what, yes. It, it's the history of fun. It wouldn't be an episode <laughs> if there wasn't one moment where we look at something and say, no, thank you. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Um, <laughs> 9.30. Are you afraid of the dark? A new show also for Snick. Oh, um, boy. I love I have that show. so many memories of this one. Now, according to this uh, Vanity Fair article on Snick, and there are very few things on Snick, so if you... Enjoy this episode, and you want to know more, I strongly recommend that you check it out. I will give the call out right now. 
it's by Alex Suskind uh, on Vanity Fair, and it's called Submitted for the Approval of the Midnight Society, The Untold Story of Snick. Um, according to this piece, former Nickelodeon senior VP Jeffrey Darby um, purposefully took all of these shows together and, and made them this grab bag. Because if you think about it right, like Clarissa Explains It All, Roundhouse, then a cartoon, then mm. a horror, horror uh, you know, of the week episode. None of it goes together. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but for a kid's audience, that was exciting. You know, on a normal network TV, it'd be like, oh, we have to pair the sitcoms block for like Monday. And then the police procedural block is Tuesday. Or police procedurals always end the night and we build up to them uh, by level of maturity of a sitcom. Like there's a logic to it where the power of, of this block theoretically was that there was not really a rhyme or reason and that would keep kids' attention. Although not me, because by the time 9.30 turned around, I was too scared <laughs> to <What> watch. Baby. <laughs> too spoopy. Um, <laughs> this is another one of those, I can't believe this ran this long. Are You Afraid of the Dark ran for seven seasons. Oh, my God. 91 episodes. Wow. Um, nice. It began on Halloween of 1990 on a Canadian TV. Oh, mm-hmm. bless them. Ended in 96 on Nickelodeon. And then was revived briefly from 99 to 2000. And in that revival, starred Alicia Cuthbert as a wow. member of the Midnight Society. Good for her. Later yeah. to star on 24 and uh, Happy Endings and other shows. For sure. And, and here's, here's another little bit of trivia about members of the Midnight Society. You remember Gary, the leader of the Midnight Society? <laughs> nope. <laughs> He's so Gary is he's like kind of like the uh, well you know like uh, the fun point next. Wait, can we can we go back for a second? Cause if I recall, recall the format, mm-hmm. it's like they're sitting around a campfire. Yes, the and, But then it cuts into like stories that involve nothing. So with the them. way and a typical episode would work, uh, if my memory does not fail me, is there is the Midnight Society, and mm-hmm. each member of the Midnight Society is expected to bring. Right. horror story oftentimes and like a flashlight a, to shine in their face yeah, when they and tell finally, it. definitely oftentimes a like newbie is invited and like mm-hmm. the way they earn their like their wings to be a member of the midnight society is to tell a story yeah so episode begins mild mild setup of them gathering around uh, a campfire to tell a story hey what you do yesterday <laughs> hey, hey, hey just the mets Oh, uh, I played tennis with Billy, but he was no good. Let's hear about that story. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they would tell the story. And then at the end, it would be like, well, I've got to get back to baseball practice. And then like they'd all leave. And then like one kid would turn around it and be like, oh, wait, maybe the story was real. I'm a and, ghost. And yeah, he pulls off his face yeah, and he's yeah, a ghost. So, not, that, not, not on those. So anyway, Gary, who we all deeply care about and we want to know more about. (laughs) Gary, the leader of the original Midnight Society. Classic Gary. In the early 2000s, he began traveling between markets as a weather anchor. Oh, good for him. Oh, good, Gary. No, he's a multi-market meteorologist out of Toronto. Love him. Does he have like a fun weather name? (laughs) No, his name is Ross Hole. This is just so much information about Gary and I don't know why. While I was researching, I was like, Wow, that's really interesting. Oh, really <laughs> fun fact, he's a meteorologist in Canada. <laughs> and no one actually remembers him. 
<laughs> but that's a good life. Yeah, I'm sure he's it's having a good time. Oh, so boring. There's always um, weather. There's always weather. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, Snick. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop thinking about Gary. Uh, I don't want to. Um, before we move on from, uh, uh-huh. you can't do that, or no, are you afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm. Um, the one episode that really sticks with me was a clown, a creepy clown yep. episode, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, and yeah, I feel like there everybody. were wishes in that episode, and then the cl- clown showed up and like creeped people out. Anyway, sure. yeah, has stuck with me for many moons. I also think he was featured in the opening credits, so every <laughs> single time the show started, I was like, oh, I should not watch this. Do you know creepy how the time went? No. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> no, it's not. I can't tell. Like that. That's a lie. <laughs> it sounds like it could be, right? It could be. Wait, I, for some reason, I'm like, dun, 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 but that's Goosebumps. I was thinking of the opening theme song to uh, The Crypt Keeper, um, but that's different, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is thrilling. I am so <laughs> sorry to our wonderful listeners that we spent that much time trying to break down the life of Gary Hole and <laughs> what the, the theme song to Are You Afraid of the Dark may or may not sound like. Okay, it's, it's, it's 1994, two years after Snake launches, and here is effectively where it really finds itself. Uh, this is the, the block is Alex Mack, Ooh. all that, Ooh. Ren and Stimpy, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? killer uh, yeah yeah it is a choice all that obviously being effectively the show that that lasts as long as snake uh other shows that appear during this era keenan and kel all that mm-hmm. spinoff um rugrats animorphs angry beavers the rugrats was in of- yeah, snake why was rugrats on snake just because it was popular i interesting we'll we'll get into it also Alex Mac, of- how many times can you really go under a door as a puddle of water before it stops being boring? It doesn't. It never stops being boring. I, I played the alto sax for four years because of Alex Mack. Mm. That is how... Inf- because that, the, the other... Her friend played... Uh, right, I forget his name. I was like, wow. I Gary. Gotta do it. Um, yeah, Gary. <laughs> um, uh, other shows, The Journey of Alan Strange, Kablam, and Space Cases. Okay, Yet so another, now we're getting into territory that I do not recall. Yeah, see, that's the same thing for me. Space Cases sounds like one of those things where somebody has made up an entire thing that is real that I don't think is real. Do you like, know what that is, Allegra? I have no idea. I mean, maybe I, if you described it, I would know, but I don't remember that. I am deeply suspicious of it to the point where <laughs> I, I, I think like maybe it's a show that never happened <laughs> and somebody created a logo <laughs> And put it up on Wikipedia like years ago, and then it just got sourced everywhere. Mm. <laughs> and now we all believe that Space Cases is real, but it actually never happened. And I'm especially surprised I don't remember it because Danny Tamborelli was a guest star on it. Oh, when would huh. I ever miss a, a guest star appearance by Danny Tamborelli? Never. Uh, so, uh, Little Pete, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, occasionally uh, the. They break up the schedule, like there are like variations of this for holidays, you know, Christmas, uh, Snake with Thug, Rugrats, Rocco, and Rin Stimpy, something like that. But for mm. the most part, they kind of stuck to this core thing. That's that is Snick as we know it. Um, there are components though, Snick. Uh, the number one being the Orange Couch. Oh yeah, yes. Remember the Orange Couch? 
Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was used in like ads promoting Snick and like the guests, like the different show stars would sit on the couch. Yeah, the idea was that it was, again, interstitials. <laughs> like, yeah. really, that is what made Snick work was they came up with this branding package effectively um, that gelled all these random things together and made kids feel like, oh, I'm like at an event. Like this is a thing. I have to stay up late to participate in SNCC. Uh, The Orange Couch was obviously a big part of that. And it was inspired by this book called Red Red Couch Portrait America, in which a photographer took a red couch uh, all across America and took photos of it with, like, different people on it, different settings. Sounds exhausting. Sounds exactly (laughs) like what they did with the orange couch. Um, So they they borrowed pretty liberally, it seems like. Um, And, yeah, they would put guest stars on it. They would put the Nick stars. They had opportunities to... uh, like let kids see it at big events uh the vanity fair article cites that shaquille o'neal asked for a snick orange couch at one point and nickelodeon was just like yeah sure you're shack (laughs) is it shack sized like you would need a pretty sizable couch it could just be like his footrest oh yeah Yeah. sure you know maybe he he saw it and he's like what (laughs) Do, do you think he wears it as slippers like that's one slipper (laughs) <laughs> yes, I think he wears his slippers. Um, so uh, that that was like the the kind of signifier of of Snick. Uh, I'm gonna quickly run through the Snick variants. Nineteen ninety nine. Oh, well, I, not snack. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. You can't just say words and they're oh God, variants Russ. of the thing. Um, like this is where I really need your help okay. to kind of walk me through. Which of these was the thing that you remember? Okay. Um, 1999. Snick House. It is hosted by Nick Cannon. Mm-hmm. It would be visited by, like, a band or mm-hmm. a celebrity. And viewers voted for their favorite music videos on Nick.com. And the winner would be aired on Snick House. Um, and this is, like, a, effectively, like, peak TRL era. Uh-huh. So it makes sense that they're like, yeah, let's just do that for, uh, for the kids. I definitely remember Snick House, yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. So then June 2001, Snick is replaced <gasps> with Nickflix, where they aired 90-minute specials. And it would just, like, that lasted for a little over a year. Oh, but um, those would be, like, spe- like t- TV movies almost of, like, their <laughs> franchises? Yeah, some sometimes that like sometimes it'd be like, like oh, Drake and like, Josh. Oh no, that's Disney. But like, <laughs> no, that's Nickelodeon. Yeah. I mean, is it? Actually, this <laughs> yes. is before those things, I yeah. believe. Okay. Um, this era is called the Elevator Music Era, uh, and it continues. Snake actually comes back during this era with a new lineup, and I suspect this is like peak Allegra time. The lineup okay. is a hundred deeds for Eddie McDowell. <laughs> yeah. The Amanda Show. Ugh, love it. Is that Amanda Bynes? Yes. Yes. Okay. SpongeBob. Mm Mm-hmm. And and all that revival. Ugh, yep. That one sucked, but ugh. What is 100 Deeds for Eddie McDowell? Yeah, I've never heard of that. It's really disturbing. So this kid, Eddie McDowell, he's kind of a jerk. And he, like, dies 
and he gets reincarnated into a dog. <laughs> and the only way he can become a human again is either he dies or he just like gets turned into a dog, but I'm pretty sure he dies. But the only way he can become a human again is if he completes these 100 deeds. But the sad thing was that that show got canceled before he got to do all of them. Wait, but he's a dog? Yeah. And he gets like yeah. adopted by a family and the, literally it was like one deed per episode. And it's like, you guys are ambitious here. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe this is still the elevator music era too. Why do you keep I'm saying sorry. that? What does that mean? Well, because... One, I thought the elevator music era was like, oh, it's so bad <laughs> that it effectively fades into the background. But it's not. I don't think that's why it's called that. I think it's because they created new bumpers during this era, mm. and they would be like pictures of performers from Nickelodeon. This is according to Wikia. And on the pictures, there would be talk bubbles above them, and in okay. the background, there would be elevator music playing. Oh, so I think that's why it is. I, I prefer to think that this era is so bad that it's like, uh, yeah, it's better not to think about it. I, I also want to do, I want to mention, because you mentioned uh, SpongeBob. Um, SpongeBob is the first thing that I remember that I was like, that was clearly a social, like a cultural phenomenon, but I was too old for it. What? We're like, and, and still today, like people make constant references to SpongeBob and I do not get any of them. <laughs> oh, my God. SpongeBob is ageless. Uh, that's probably true, but I never watched it. That's yeah. sad. Patty Cakes? What? Krabby okay. Patty? <laughs> okay, we're, we're moving. September 2002 <laughs> to June 2004. Uh, this is the beginning of the end. This is the, like, uh, yeah, this, is, this isn't going to last. We, 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 we've had fun. The elevator music era, uh, whatever, that was fine. But things are really getting dark. Um, and this is when they, they're just reprogramming the stru structure on like a pretty regular basis. And they come up with this idea called On Air Dare. Mm -hmm. Which, you, yep, Malagra remembers this. <laughs> I, I love it. Malagra literally looked up and to the right and then like, <laughs> a, like a, a, a moment of awareness and like disgust and like <laughs> just recognition. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they make the cast of the new All That do segments called On Air Dare. Uh -huh. And effectively, they have to do these dopey stunts, which some examples, again, from Wikia are sing the national anthem in a diaper. Or <laughs> take, apparently it really clicked got its audience. audience. <laughs> <laughs> or take a bath, but the bathtub is full of raw eggs. Oh no! <laughs> Dirty boy. Is that a whole show? <laughs> it was the segments no, so in between. The oh, the segments, segments in between. Yeah, got it. Um, and by by 2004, Snick ends as it began with fancy design <laughs> that just makes something out of nothing. Uh, Nickelodeon contracts this graphic de design company called Beehive. Uh, they create this kind of like summer break branding. And there is no mention of Nick. It is just Saturday night, Nickelodeon. Um, and then it turns out the summer break just kind of never ends. They just keep using that branding for five years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and after, after five years, they come up with this idea of Teen Nick. Uh, and well, I, I guess it's actually kind of during this period. Sorry. Um, and then at five-year mark that dies um 
Well, here's Kevin. Team well, Nick, actually. Well, here, you can go into it. Here's the <laughs> twist. The twist. Do you want to say it? Okay, so Team Nick got its own channel. Exactly. <gasps> but it was a rebranded channel that already existed and was awesome. That's where you could watch Degrassi called Wait, the okay, so Degrassi? Was Teen Nick... This might be before Teen Nick, but I do remember the show 16, which was also on Nickelodeon, which was very mature. Is that Teen Nick or was no? Was that a car- the cartoon? No, it was live action. It was like Degrassi, but... I didn't watch Degrassi. I don't know. Not as Canadian. Anyway, go on. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, so Teen Nick became its own channel, well, a a rebrand of a previous channel, and here's where it all comes back together. Occasionally, at night, Mm. at very, very late at night, there is a programming block now called Nick Splat. Love it. When Mm. the stars align, (laughs) Nick returns. In this, like, midnight, or maybe I think Eastern, it's like 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. Yeah. programming block. And Snick returns for, I, what I'm guessing is, like, stone 35-year-old. Yeah, for sure, 100%. Because it's just, um, like, all 90s, like, salute your shorts and stuff. And me! It, and Allegra. It, <laughs> yes. Like, it, not even that. that like, that's the, the, the real harsh reality of it. The really Nickelodeon stuff is so old. Oh, no. They're just like, no. I'm out of the demo? Yeah, like, it'll be like Rocket Power. You remember (laughs) Rocket Power? (laughs) The Wild Thornberries. That was Snick, right? Um, It's, yeah, you definitely feel that when the age pandering is, like, still too young for you. uh, Yeah. That, you know, it's time to get a new hobby. Um, and that hobby is podcasting. Thank you for listening to this episode of History of Fun. If you like us, give us a nice review on Apple no, Podcasts. No, plant. We still have things. Oh uh, yeah, we do. Okay, it was a transition, but it wasn't the right one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's that's the history of Snick. It is largely a giant branding exercise that just repurposed content that they already have, which sounds really negative. But you know what? It brought me like. A ridiculous amount of joy as a child. Yeah. yeah. Um, so even if it is, even if all Nickelodeon is, is like one giant um, branding, graphic design, Toy collaboration. Commercial. Yeah, for itself. That's okay, because it did an amazing job of making me feel like there was a space for me. Which is so weird. I feel, that feels like it should be like embarrassing. Mm. Um. But I don't, I don't think it is. I like that there was a place that, like, didn't feel as um, kind of dry as PBS or as saccharine as Disney Channel. Where but, else could the wild and crazy kids go? So but true. Here. <laughs> so true. Um, uh, yeah, let's, let's hop into our things. Do uh, you want to set up ROM? Okay, reader-only memories. Do-do-do-do-do. Reader. Oh, no, me. we started. That was a So this is from at uh, Dakota Miller 23 on Twitter. I was only four or five when Snick started, and I'm shocked my parents let me watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's definitely something that shaped who I am today with my obsession for all things horror. Mm. Not much of a memory, but it was always fun family time. Totally. Can I ask you guys a question? Were your parents like policing your television? No. Yeah, right? Not at all. Yeah. Plant? Uh, they, they pretended. They were like, oh, don't watch Winston Bean, watch The Simpsons. And then it's like 
all I watched. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll decorate your room that way. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Good job placing. Um, it's like Extreme Home Makeover. <laughs> this is from uh, at Jay Bonacera. Uh, that big orange couch was cool as hell. I hope you mm. found some interesting stuff on it. Well, we'll see what you thought. There's a couch. Um, I also, I would say that the hype train uh, for Audio for the Dark was possibly scarier than the actual show. Um, that at least contributed highly to the show's scare factor. For me, I would say not just the hype, but like the the intro theme yeah. was was definitely scarier than Very most scary. of the episodes. I just flashed back to one more episode that I remember, and it involved a boy being trapped in a pinball machine, but it was a giant pinball machine. Ah. And I'm pretty sure it was just a ripoff of a Batman episode. Anyway. <laughs> uh, a lot of people sent us um, kind of like snippets uh, of videos, which I think we can kind of share uh, once the tweet goes out. So you should look for at History of Fun, or at the History of Fun. Um, and we can share some of those videos with everybody. Um, also, uh, a lot of memories, like this one from Nicole Tompkins, of just moon shoes. Um, oh, yeah. The ads that would just yes. run over and over and over again. Uh, some people had fond memories um, uh, of specific stars. Uh, this is from At uh, A Murder Of. I also desperately, deeply, dearly love Lori Beth Denberg. Yeah, yeah Lori Beth. she rules. <laughs> I remember being an overweight kid and seeing her on TV and thinking, holy crap, overweight girls exist and we're funny and we can be on TV. She was so important to me growing up. That's great. Yeah. I, uh, she, and she like still pops up now and then. And she did a guest spot on uh, Workaholics like a few years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, she did, yeah. But I actually, I, I interviewed else. her and Danny Tamborelli and Kel and I think Josh Seaver at Comic-Con three years ago. And Lori Beth was the nicest she rolled. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the other um, recurring memories that uh, I've really enjoyed seeing is like how people negotiated bedtime around this because it was later. So um, one uh, from at uh tai bawe um or elena um on twitter <laughs> <laughs> uh and an entire summer vacation my brother and i slept in sleeping bags on the cement floor of our basement so we could stay up watching snick even reading the word brings back the soundbite of the commercials and the feelings of the cold floor against the humid hot new york nights which i think is like again captures there's something about this show that i think triggers that that like feeling of like oh i remember exactly where i was when i would watch these these like segments uh every time so that's it uh you know i'm gonna read one more from uh my my dear pal zara are you afraid of the dark all of it uh i used to freak my sister out by whispering i'm cold <laughs> like the ghost <laughs> boy and tale of the frozen ghost she did not appreciate it also, we had a bright orange VHS of four apps that had to stay in a cupboard because ghosts. <laughs> um, cool. So that's, that's that. I'm going to now throw to Allegra for finally. The long awaited. Us getting to some of our replies uh, on our Apple podcast reviews. Okay, let me get them. So I have three here. Two of them are about food eating contests but let's start <laughs> oh okay here's one actually for uh russ 
Oh, boy. (laughs) So this is from David Reviewed. (laughs) Disclaimer, I'm writing this review because Russ called me out for not reviewing the podcast in the Hello Kitty episode. Do you remember doing that? Uh, I might have said, hey, if your name is David, I know you haven't reviewed the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So he did. And then he just said he, he really likes the show. Um, let's see here. I, have... I still, I should note though, Michael still has not reviewed the podcast. <laughs> so we're still waiting on Michael. So that was all he said. But here's two from uh, the hot dog eating contest. So we asked people what would be uh, the worst food for oh, yes. a hot dog or any eating contest, not hot dog. Uh, so Kate Highland said, think about it. Marshmallows. You'd have to chew so much and they're all Ugh. sticky and sweet. It would be the worst. Yeah. It's like chubby bunny, right? That yeah. Thing. Terrible. Yeah. That sounds very painful and, and dj jimmy jams says oysters that would be, oh that'd be easy it'd be boring to watch i feel like you like just drown in oysters because they'd go down so easily yeah but that yeah that sounds awful <laughs> yeah no I, yeah Fair okay. point. and here's actually a pretty nice one so from the manga episode um I th- manga from the the manga episode <laughs> we asked for or i asked for some recommendations of, of manga and so rosarian romer said great stuff love the show i took your joke offer seriously though they're never jokes guys <laughs> these are all sincere requests um go read shopping list in yokohama it's about an android who runs a coffee shop in a post-apocalypse apocalyptic uh japan mother nature is reclaiming what's hers it's very chill and pretty that sounds awesome it does sound really cool there's not a lot of plot (laughs) that's okay that sounds great (laughs) yeah it sounds great um yeah so those are the main ones we have right now cool i definitely want to hear more like bad food for yeah i want to hear a short more bad food let's let's uh, bring those on if you have any other um i want to hear about um your favorite episodes of are you afraid of the dark I mentioned two of them, the clown one and the human-sized pinball one that may or may not exist. Uh, but I want to know if there are other ones. So feel free to, uh, when you review, if you haven't reviewed yet, uh, which you can do in the uh, podcast app on iPhone very easily. Um, yeah, throw in a description of your favorite uh, Are You For The Dark episode. And I think that's it. Am I forgetting anything? No, I think that's it. Okay, thank you so much, Chris Plant. Lovely work as always. And thank you, Allegra, for sharing uh, the di- a different generation's memories of Drake and Josh <laughs> and all the things they did on- with their sweet life. <laughs> oh, my God. That's oh, you can't mix and match those, Russ. <laughs> um, and thank you at home for listening to The History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories of the things you love to do. Uh, goodbye. Leap those dips, everyone. Leap dips. Leap dips.